Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Mad Sounds Podcast. As ever, I'm joined by Matt Maynard. How are you, Matt? I'm great, mate. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Fantastic. We've recorded an absolute cracker of an episode with Phil Everidge from The Twang. How'd you find that? Yeah, we just recorded our second Indie Heroes with a true Indie Hero, Phil. Um, lots of great stories talking to us about what it was like being built up by the enemy in 2007, signing a million dollar record deal, million dollar, million pound record deal. Um, and then being like chewed up and spit out by the media as well at the time it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy to hear yeah the, the i think way that... I, absolutely and i think just what probably since we've been doing these i mean we did the, the joe carnell one first it's just just so like pure and like from like from the heart a lot of that what phil and joe and Tor been talking about especially in this episode that's what i found and i think it, it honestly it's made for a great listen and, and it's a real eye-opener of the scene um and just before we get on to the, the with phil or the chat with phil um just remind you can, you can follow us we are at the mad sounds pod on twitter you can also now email us we have um, we facilitated an email address where you can send us anything is it a shit celebrity you've seen at a gig have you caught an indie band's drumsticks, or do you just want to, to slag us off? You can now, because you can go to thosemadsounds at gmail.com. That's thosemadsounds at gmail.com and email us your thoughts. That's right. We have enough. Um, we, we've actually recently come landmarks since, since we've been doing this. Um, we've had 2,000 listeners already, um, we, over 100 followers. So thanks so much for sticking around with us. And we, we really do appreciate it. I don't think we, um, I think we harp on enough about it. Um, more importantly, if you're listening now and you're a new listener to the pod, Click follow if you're on Spotify. If you're on Apple, click the subscribe button and the latest episode will come to your phone straight away uh, when we put it up. Um, without further ado, enough of me to get, to, let's get down to it. Here's Phil. So Phil, let's take you back to the start. You formed in the mid-noughties and your first album came out in 2007 at- how influential was where you're from on your music? Because we know about your past influences, but and we, we hear so much, even the second album named Jewelry Court or an area in Birmingham. How influential is Birmingham to the whole, to what the twang are about? Well, we're Brummies, so I guess that's the biggest one. Um, I guess the fact that I've always tried to, or I've never, I've, I'm quite conscious of like making sure that I'm singing in my own accent, you know. It's quite yeah. easy to be influenced by bands, isn't it? And, you know, to end up, you found a lot of bands, you know, singing with an American twang and it was just a bit odd. So I guess that's, I guess the streets as well. Yeah. Obviously were, you know, huge and a big influence for us, me personally, yeah. So, but the town, I guess you are, you are where you live, aren't you? You know, so yeah. it was yeah. an influence, but I mean, it's a big world, isn't it? You say you mentioned the streets there, and I think that's something that I've always sort of heard in your music as well. And I don't, I don't know if for you, you think it's a, a conscience influence or a subconscious thing, but sometimes that sort of quick fire delivery is quite Mike Skinner at times. Do you think that that is something that you learned to do from him, or just it just naturally happened? I think. Well, we were really into. I was really into like rave and stuff when I was a kid. 
and like MC, you know, I used to have this like little notepad, this little notebook that I used to like copy MCs like lyrics into, like Robbie D with Ratty, like DJ Ratty and Robbie D. I loved Robbie D, MC Lenny, loads of like, and Birmingham had a big scene there, uh, Bassman and all that. And uh, so I was into that and then Jungle, Navigator. So I was into like MCing. You know, I never like pick up a mic and start like rapping in my <laughs> bedrooms over because a lot of my friends were DJing as well. But um, I was always kind of interested in that flow. Not, I'm not saying by any means I uh, trust myself as a rapper, but um, I'm definitely interested and influenced by that kind of flow of old MC. Yeah. Where, where did you where do you think the transition into I uh, guess in, in like quotation marks indie came in? Because if you listen to a, just for example, say like the street's first or second album um the, the music's and with absolutely no disrespect the beats are more basic than what you hear on the first and you know the first twang record or whatever where did the the sort of indie fusion come from was it was because we i've heard we're doing our research for this on previous podcast talk about your love for the smiths i certainly hear loads of different bands fused in there where did that where did the indie fusion come from well i guess like around 95 96 we were clubbing quite a lot the steering wheel, the same same club that Skinny used to go, and uh, but it was around that time, even though they'd come out a few years before, when you know Britpop was so big, it, it kind of we kind of stopped clubbing in about '97, and it was all it was it was all Wallabies and fucking <laughs> Earth and whatever, weren't it? And, and that's yeah. where that's where we were at, and we kind of had this like drugged up dream of being in a band, and we saw bands like the Coral that we kind of felt like a kinship with you know where it was like this is you know they're like us you know they're from the same place type thing and I guess we just we just had this like dream of just forming a band and we did and obviously you know with a drummer and a bass player and a guitarist you know you're not making dance music are you to a degree we, we you know but yeah. we classed ourselves as quite dancey dancey indie or whatever you want to call yeah. it yeah when we, when we first started out yeah I was lucky because when I grew up my old brother was really into like like the grungy kind of scene. There was a quite a big scene in the Midlands, like 91, 92, um, you know, like Ned's Atomic Dust being wonder stuff, um, Poppies and all that. And my brother used to listen to all of that at home. So yeah. I was quite like, I remember when he got the first Oasis record because his record collection was amazing. I remember kind of hiding it from my friends. I like, loved it, but we were still, I, I don't know, I was young and I know that sounds really like it's just so weird, but like they just weren't into it. But then a couple of years down the line, just every you know everyone was listening to you. You went into the pub and everyone was wearing burgos like they were Liam, you know, with their hair coming down <laughs> or whatever. And it was like, but we were kind of the reason why we jumped on that is because Oasis. We felt that they were from the same place, you know. Again, and it was like it was bands like that. We was like we we can do this as well, you know. We're from we, we're wearing the same clothes. We're doing the same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and we just had like a little uh, a belief that it was going to be possible. I don't know. It was just like, like blind faith or something that I just always kind of thought we'd do something. We were quite odd, quite an odd bunch really. And uh, mm-hmm. I just felt like that we had something, you know. So when it comes yeah. to like starting a band and rehearsing, I would rather have been in the stu- in the lockup than anywhere, you know, because it's beautiful and funny. And every time you made something, it was like... I don't know. It, was, it just gave me so. It brought me such joy, and I never felt anything but like you know. I just loved being there. So I don't know if that's answered your question or if I've gone on. <laughs> I, like, I uh, no, that's brilliant. That's where that's where the band thing come from. We just felt yeah. like we could do it, and it just felt 
you know, as soon as we started gigging, it was like, we're going to do this, it's going to happen. Yeah, and then let's talk about the when you did get signed. Then it was two thousand and six, right? And this this indie music scene is is really starting to peak. You know, like these bands, a bit like the the Brit pop of the nineties. The guitar music's back at the forefront of the British music scene. Yeah, uh, were you conscious of how much competition there was at the time as well? Not at all. Not at all. I um, nah. It wasn't the competition. It was never like. We was never like in a scene in Birmingham, even you know. We we never mm. like we kind of used to turn up with our mates somewhere else, and it was never <laughs> it was never like we never felt in competition. If anything, it sounds really arrogant or just always thought we were a bit but like you, we had that kind of attitude about fuck everyone else. We're gonna do our thing. You know, we do you think you need that? Um. Well, yeah, because otherwise, what I said earlier about like you can get influenced by you know like. I remember editors, we had the same management, but yeah. a load of, a load of, I've talked about this loads over the years, but a load of bands in Birmingham at the time started sounding like editors or sounding like whatever was like flying at the time. It was mm. like easy to jump on that. And, you know, um, but we kind of just, I guess, um, like restrictions, this is probably like my favorite quote. I use it too much, but like restrictions make decisions. And because we were shit at playing guitars and shit, at, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. It meant that what we did make was ours, you know. Right. Because we couldn't have sounded like, we couldn't have played and sounded like certain bands anyway. We couldn't have done covers. We weren't doing it, you know, we never done. The first time we did a cover was like the third album or something. We never did covers. We never learned to play other people's songs ever. It was just like, what can we do? And we just stole from what we were listening to, you know. Again, that's probably not answered your question. No, that's just going on, on the bands that are around you at the time. Um, we're talking about maybe someone like The Enemy. Um, did, did they do you a favour by declaring you the, like, the best band around at the time? And was it sort of hard to get sucked in, not to get sucked into that? Because the initial hype, I mean, like I say, me and Matt rigorously research it. And the, the hype was like, not to put, well, it was massive. Like It was like, yeah. unbelievable, the hype at the time. It done us a favour in the way of it got us a load of money. Um, but it doesn't do you a favour in the way of when someone tells you that that's the best band, you, you automatically, well, me personally, I automatically, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I think there was a bit of that. And we, we kind of shied away from that. And looking back, maybe we should have like rode it a bit more. And But we was kind of like, we didn't, I, I, you can't be the best band in the world because, and I've said this my whole, you know, throughout the band, but like, one person's favourite band, you know, might be a different person's favourite, but you can't be, you know, like we weren't the best band in the UK, you know, we were just doing our thing and we were just having fun and it was, um, so yeah, the hype, and they, and they quickly switched, obviously then. They I, did. I didn't become the, the mess that they probably wanted me to become. Yeah. I didn't live up to their, like, I didn't start fucking a supermodel or I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, that uh, sounds a bit uncouth, but you know, I didn't do what they probably wanted me to do. I didn't move down to London. Yeah. Didn't become yeah. a, a drug addict in front of them, you know. I didn't like, you know. I kind of hid, hid myself away a bit, and yeah, and they switched then. Yeah, then, well, I was I was gonna just come onto that at some point, but they they really did switch with you because obviously they were building you up, giving you this title of the the best band in the country, and then they gave you a one and a half star review for your second album, which is and and which is obviously a load of bollocks because we've heard the album and it's a great follow up. Um, just, sorry, sorry, just kind of Joe was saying this on our first podcast. He was saying there were just so many journalists at the NME out for themselves, just yeah. writing un, un, needless provocative statements just to get themselves a bit of a bit of credibility. And, and I guess you, uh, people like you and Milburn, must have been such easy targets. 
because they've done that initial height. They've done their bit. They've done your, them you a favour in their you know first bit, and then they've just completely knock you down. It must make you must enrage you. Um, it was a bit shit at the time, but I don't. I didn't. I, I honestly didn't dwell on it. Really, I didn't. Kind of, you know, we we made that second record sound like it sounded for a reason. You know, we wanted to kind of shake off the tag of being just rowdy, drunken lads. You know. Yeah. And uh, I also wanted more girls at the at the gigs. You know, because when we yeah. first first shows were like just full of lads fucking with no yeah. teeth feel, feel fucking uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, obviously some of them had but um <laughs> it was um you know it was a conscious decision that like my right and i was also writing differently and i was going with what felt right i didn't want to write any more tracks like the neighbor or fucking don't wait up or whatever you know i didn't want to kind of i wasn't feeling it maybe i was a little bit embarrassed of tracks like that as well to be honest right yeah. That, that we hadn't really... Because it was such a whirlwind when we got signed. Everyone was just patting my back and telling me how fucking great I was, really. Um, yeah. That I kind of lost sight of the main thing was to make a great record. And I've been conscious over the years to not, you know, to, to not slate that record because I'm going to listen to it differently than someone else. But, you know, you couldn't help but think, oh, I've done that wrong. Right. You know what I mean? And it, mm. it's... But yeah, but when when they write that, they did it to everyone. If you look back, even Oasis got bad reviews. Like you know, yeah, yeah. fans got. They just they didn't kill us off. You know, we we still carried on touring and still playing to large rooms. And you know, for, for that for that second album, um, when we had um we had John Dawkins, um, who's who's actually set this up. So massive thanks to to Dawkins on that one. We, he said, very something very interesting when we had him on here that you've you've got sort of your whole life to write the first album, and you've got hardly any time at all to write the second how much in the locker did you have for the second album or was it for you was it just a clean slate and to go no i want more girls i need to completely revamp revamp how the album sounds well it's quite a long album though so i assume you had a lot of material we didn't we didn't have anything in the locker because we, when mm. we released the first album we'd used up every track on b-sides yeah. you know but we we again i mean i've mentioned oasis far too many times already in doing this but um <laughs> we it was around that time we, and we kind of grew up when buying an oasis single was an event you know and you'd get these other three tracks it was like an ep you know the b-sides to me uh, were better than you know most of the a-sides and if noel had held them back b and a would have been unbelievable wouldn't it yeah um, but we'd kind of so we we wanted to have we wanted to make sure we had good b-sides so we'd used up everything on that first. but th- those b-sides i'm super proud of you know um, so when we started Jewelry Court, we didn't have anything left. It was uh, it was literally starting from scratch. But we went to Anglesey. We done that whole like rock and roll, you know, cliche of going and getting a cottage in uh, in the Wales in, in Wales in the middle of nowhere and just fucking writing for a month solid. And we come away with about twenty eight, twenty nine songs or something, if I remember rightly. And yeah, and that was it. But it was a long process, man. We fucked up that album. You know, we went and recorded it in Spain with youth. We've done Urban Hymns and, and scrapped the lot when we got back and uh, and then started working with Neil Claxton from Mintwell and done it again. So it, it took, it, even though it was quite a quick follow-up, it, it took ages and, you know, we... Um, but one of the things I learned from that is when we first recorded it, I didn't have Barney and I didn't have Twit to Woo and I didn't have... Um, there was a couple of tracks that I didn't have when we went in with youth that then... And I've learned from that. Now, when I think a record's finished, I kind of think, actually, let's just try another few months and see if I, see if anything else falls, you know. But um, 
Yeah, I don't even know what the, what the fuck you asked me then, but... Yeah. <laughs> I like the details. It's good. We get. It's good that we set you off on a little tangent, and then we can get into the story of the band. Um, so let's rewind because we've jumped a little bit ahead to the second album. Not heard too much about that time. Those times in the first album. You know, you signed your record deal in '06. First of all, how much was that worth? A lot of money. Well, yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. We had like we had like pretty much every label in the, in the country trying to sign us, and that's yeah. like. You know that it sounds like bullshit, but that it or like bravado, but it's the truth. We had we had offers off virtually everyone. If I look back, should we have recorded the first album with someone else? Probably, you know. But it's like, and that's no disrespect to Gab. What, what the reason why we did it with Gab is because editors had demoed with him and then went off with Jim Abyss, and he was he was like building up bands to the point where then and then they were fucking off, you know. And uh, and we felt like we. Should, you know, stick with him and, and give him that chance. But um, yeah, hindsight, man. In the end, it come down to it did come down to money and a bit of greed. You know, we we kind of lost sight of you know what was the right place for us to go. It was like who's paying the most money. Yeah, sure. And, and that's and that's how we did it. And and we went and be unique. Kind of signed us in the end. It was nothing to do with their roster because it was fucking ordinary boys in the Kaiser Chiefs. So it was nothing. To, it was just that they were from Birmingham. Martin, he was from Birmingham. He's a Villa fan, and he was. Uh, willing to pay me a shitload of cash, so we went with them. There you go. Yeah. Can't can't say no to that. So yeah, it came, came out. Uh, the full album came out uh, a year after you were signed. Did you? Do you touch on it briefly at the start of the pod when it talks about your reputation and maybe just just for being a bit just just quite boisterous, quite laddish. Did that suit you in the first album? Was that what it was all about for you? Uh, just completely looking back, um, you know, everyone's grown up now, it's life's completely different, but looking back, did it just suit you to just go and get absolutely hammered, record some of these songs, go on these nights out? It's what we were, you know, we were writing about what we were and who we are, you know, it was, it was how it was, you know. It was, there was no like acting, it wasn't like, you know, yeah. it was just what it was. And that was what was coming out of me when we was writing. That's what we were, again, like capable of doing. It was more like, you know, John would come up with some beeline and I'd spit some nonsense over it. And it was like, and it was be- it was a beautiful time because there was no overthinking. It was great, man. You know, every, every time we finished the rehearsal, we'd, we'd be like, we'd be partying. You know, it was just fucking beautiful. But, and then once, once you got signed, and not to jump on again, but once you got signed, you you end up overthinking things and like, oh man, is that mid-late, right? Or should we say that, you know, and it's like, it kind of loses a little bit of magic for me. I like to, I loved that time when we was writing that first record. It was free, man. And, you know, no one questioned anything. It was like, throw it up in the air and see how it lands. And everyone had like complete artistic freedom. You know, and I'm a bit of a control freak, really. And and as soon as I got a little bit of like that control, I was like, fucking hell, man, you're doing that now, actually. No, no, no. You know, and it's like, it's shit then, you know. When do you think, do you, or do you think it ever started to get out of control or was it just the perception? Did it, did people decide that they didn't want you to behave like that anymore and then just go for you? Cause there's obviously a few stories, isn't there? on the way that you, you would drop from your label and stuff like that. Oh yeah. We, I mean, we fucked up we, 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 massively, man. We were burning bridges permanently. You know, that's what we, that we were renowned for it. You know, we, and, it, and it's, I'm not proud of it, but it was just how it was. We were, we'd been given a load of money. We were put on a rolling pub, the turbo. Sounds great. It was just, and and I did feel that it was my, it was, you know, I I felt like this is my duty, man. I've got to fucking have this. This is unbelievable. And all we'd ever talked about in the lockup is when we sign, we'll do this and we'll do that. You know, it was like, let's fuck. And when it happened, 
But what comes with that, sadly, is you can't, you, you know, it's not sustainable. Just drive around non-stop, man. You end up pissing people off, upsetting each other, becoming paranoid, you know, rolling around with a hand, carrying around a hangover, man. Like, I used to carry it around like a backpack permanently, you know. <laughs> like I was a professional at getting rid of a hangover, you know, a fucking expert, like. And, um, but it just causes you shit, you know. It's, so you, yeah, it's quite refreshing though because I remember watching um, watching back clips of um, your set at Glastonbury in two thousand and seven, and it was I can't remember if it was you or John in a hoodie and it might have been a can of Carlin or cheap lager, just having the, what looked like the best time of your life singing your hits to a massive crowd. John Peel was it? And you you just look at some of the bands that do Glastonbury these days and how like sort of fine tuned and like just stripped back it is, and I just think like. Oh, we, we're going to run out of twangs eventually and it's a shame and the, and the streets and stuff like that it's just I, I don't want to sound like it like that just sounds really cut so a lot of violent doesn't it and um, we, we Glastonbury was a strange one we just got back from we'd done a, a a week in Germany a couple of weeks in Germany and literally landed in the in the UK that morning um or drove through to the UK that morning um and, and done that gig straight away it was like a headline show. it was quite a big deal all our management were there parents and I'd been on it constantly in Germany, having the time of my life, to be honest. I'd lost my voice. So, like, I, when I look back at that gig, it's kind of... But somehow, and I, I was really nervous all the way, you know, that whole day. I was like, fuck, man, my voice is... You know, yeah, fuck, yeah. Fuck, what was I doing drinking last night still? You know, what? Kind of like, I was beating myself, but why did I go to bed, you know? <laughs> instead of getting all excited and... Because uh, my voice was fucked. And when I watched that, like, not that. When I have seen... Uh, that Glastonbury performance back. My voice is shocking, but the vibe in the room, yeah. in the tent, um, it was unbelievable. I remember my manager, Jackie, crying after saying that was, you've nailed it, you've done it, you know, we've done what we needed to do. And it was, uh, yeah, it was joyous afterwards, but I, it was, um, but I even think afterwards we went off, got too fucked, you know, pissed some people, birds and bridges. So, but it was, um, yeah, man, it's one of them gigs, isn't it? We headlined a stage at, at Glastonbury on a Friday night, was it a Saturday night? But, um, yeah, amazing. amazing. But that's what isn't that that's what people expect of rock and roll stars, right? Because I feel like it's disappointing to us as fans to see. But they're I, not I, very I, I, yeah, I think I think we just, we just prefer stories about you know the fact that you were absolutely on it the day before your Glastonbury performance, and you know nothing was sort of prim and proper. It's it's um it's yeah, no, great. And, and and some of them come together, and some of them we royally fucked up. You know there was there was festivals for granted. You know going to Amsterdam. I remember being in Amsterdam, and we were so royally drunk that the drummer was like missing his like symbols and they're like fucking eight <laughs> inches wide you know uh, and we never got asked back and then you know we, we, we second headline at rock Ness and the same you know we got thrown off site and ridiculous and it was just constant like you know you do these great shows and then fuck it up you know yeah. and it was because the truth of it is you you know you like the stories and people like the stories and i i feel embarrassed telling them because it's like it's just it's what it is it's what happens isn't it but they want it, but when it actually fucking happens, they shit it, you know. The media want it, NME want it, but then when it's in their face, they shit yeah. it. They're little posh boys, aren't they, you know? It's a bit of a sweep. No, it's all right. I mean, 2007, that was completely mental. Yeah, headline Brixton as well. Um, sold out in, headline, sorry, should I say, sold out Brixton. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's like, the, that's like the, uh, the pinnacle, in a way, of, of what we achieved. And the dream is to get back to there and... Yeah. You know, hopefully, that's kind of the aim at the moment, really, to try and get back to, you know, doing our own Brixton, you know, and whether it's pie in the sky or whatever, we kind of, you know, we feel that there's a chance, you know. 
we're yeah. one tune away. Um, so we've just been talking about this reputation that this lad music, if you want to call it, the lad fans that turned up with no teeth or whatever. Not bad about it. <laughs> no, no, it was just it was just fucking very, very laddy. You I know, get it. Very like fucking like. But this isn't that doesn't represent your music because your music isn't just complete lad rock and it's something as well we were talking to uh john dawkins about as well we were talking about the idea that oasis have a lot of lad fans don't they especially these days as liam does but noel's not in any way a lad noel's basically this stoner but yet he's attracted a very much lad fan base and you know you can is that something you can relate to do you think i don't really care yeah i don't i don't i don't i just i was just i just no girls no party you know, yeah. you go to a club and it's full of lads. Shit. Yeah. It's true. Simple. <laughs> yes. Um, and I wanted to. And when I look at it now, when I see all the young, the young girls and young lads in the in the crowd, I'm like, we're winning. You know, we're winning yeah. again. You know. Um, not that I deliberately wrote music for that, but I think we were misunderstood. I think the first album's a little bit misunderstood that in the way of. Even the, the running order, and it, it's not a concept album by any means, but like for every like bit of ragoness, there's a there's the, the honesty of like the morning after, you know, and like how yeah. I felt and and how I, how I feel about everything. And it was like for every gig that we did that was great, and we'd go and fuck it up the next morning. There'd be a phone call from the manager going, you know, you 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 fucking this up. And I was kind of just in a whirlwind of like, oh, I don't give a shit at the moment. You know, it's wicked, we're flying, it's, let's yeah. do it. But, you know, looking back, we could have been reined in a little bit more and, you know, and, and talked to a little bit more and, you know, just given a little bit of advice, really. But we probably wouldn't have. So. <laughs> let's, yeah. um, let's take you to the twang in the present day. Uh, you released uh, if, Com- if Confronted, Just Go Mad in 2019. It's a, it's a record, lot different sounds. Matt, me and you had to listen to this. We said we, we concluded there's a bit of gorillas in there. I thought a bit gorillas, gorillas yeah. yeah. Especially mean, that I... song, Million Miles Away. You sounded so like Damon. Was, I was like, is that... Well, that's John, that's John singing, that is. Ah, you? that's why. So I'm only on the chorus of that, but... Um... He sounds like Damon. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a very 2019 record. And I think that's a good thing. I think the whole thing sounds modern. It's not like you're stuck in, you know, his vibe at all. And yeah, so it's a really nice record. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the most fun we've had making a record, you know, probably since the first album. I mean, there was no pressure. It was kind of just me and John. Do we want to go and write songs together? And we did. So do you want to meet up every Wednesday? And it was like back in the day, really. It was like, do you want to go down today? And yeah, do you want to have a drink and fuck about it? Try and write a tune. But every every time we went down, we were writing something. And I guess the reason why you say gorillas, I don't really hear that myself, but we was writing to, it was just me and John in the room, so there was no drummer. So everything we'd be writing to, we like process. Right. Um, okay. And then eventually, you know, we'd get Ash. But um, to start with, everything process beat. Just us fucking about, really. Like, in a way, like the first record, where we kind of didn't know what we were doing, you know, we were just messing. Yeah. And, um, but it was, yeah, it's a beautiful time, man. It's like a constant like tug of war between me and John, and it creates something. You get something up. Yeah. Does um, how do you think being a parent has affected your music as well, and what you write? Well, being a parent just affects everything, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, it, it changes everything. But um, and you do have to slow down. We well, just do anyway. I don't want. It's embarrassing if you carry on acting like you're, yeah, you know, young you're and free. And, yeah, we 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 were we were. It does. It, it changes everything. It changes everything. But my my wife's been pretty cool. 
I've been with her, you know, for forever, really, way before the band got. She she knows, you know, that that that's what I do. I go off and try and write songs with my mates, and she's pretty cool with it. So that's not great. a bad hobby to have at all. Um, did you have any? Did you have any plans to take the uh, fest- festivals this summer? Take the take the new album out on the road? We had we had um, we had about like eight festivals booked. Oh mate. So we lost that, and we had a Gutted. tour in March and April that again got cancelled. But but no one knows, do they? We're all speculating, aren't we? So hopefully we'll be back. We'll, we'll you know we'll hopefully be doing some shows at the end of the year. But everyone's going to want to do shows, aren't they? So we'll see. Yeah, it's might, be be bit, so... might be a bit. Might be a bit. But we'll see, man. We've not toured the album yet because when it came out in November, we went on. We'd agreed quite a while back to do a, a tour with Shed Seven, and that's yeah. through door. Shed Sember, yeah, is that the one, yeah? Well, they, they say Shed Sember, but you, they're forgetting that Twangmus, he's, he's fucking, he's been running a lot, <laughs> longer, been running a lot longer than that. Do you know what I mean? This, is, this will be our 14th year consecutive uh, Christmas. So, uh, but anyway, they'd asked us and we were, you know, I, I, I love Shed Sember. And you say about bands getting panned, they were a band, a band that, yeah. uh, but they were fucking brilliant and they're lovely lads. They're, some, they're one of the nicest bands. They're so, they're so lovely. They were so welcoming and warm, Did- like brilliant. Was there, was there any of the bands that you didn't get along with when you were touring with them? Was there, did you feel, rub a few up the wrong way? Um, you're just looking for a fucking story. <laughs> no, uh, I'm like the enemy back in we, 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 don't have, we don't have the audience to, to, to get uh, to, to no, dive, do I any mean, one. Don't worry. <laughs> most people are saying they're all doing this. There's the odd front man in them, don't they? But, yeah. Affair. Oh well, I was going to ask you about music that you're into now. Like, what? Yeah, especially it's get interesting to find out the opinions of musicians. What they what they're after, what they listen to. Well, my favorite album of last year was the Fantasia. Fantasia. Yeah, love Wicked yeah, album. Love Wicked easily, album. I think that's one of the. When I, I was on holiday and I was just yeah. while I was running and stuff, and I was just like, "This is the best album of years." Like, I mean, like years. Um, and I'm not here saying everything shit, but like that was the. That's the first album for a while where I've been like, sh- the whole album, I was like, the- who the fuck are these? This is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you seen him live yet? No, no, no. Yeah, they're, they're, much- they're, they're good. I'm pretty um, rubbish at going to gigs, to be honest. I, I can't. Well, you, you've got kids. <laughs> well, no, I just can't really be fucking arsed. I know that sounds weird. If everyone that watched gigs was like me, gigs would be shit. Because I, like <laughs> I like to sit <laughs> to start yeah. with a couple of pints under my chair. <laughs> Just slagging people off. No. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, no, yeah, so I don't know. I did. I was going to go and see him last year in Brum, I think. But, um, so, like you mentioned I at think, the start of the podcast, yeah. like you singing in your, just your accent. It's exactly the same with Fontaine's. The Dublin accent is so strong. Um, in yeah, I've just seen that album. The, the thing that the album is as well, it makes me realise, like, it's, 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 it sounds so, you, you know, you can't make a record like that unless you're mm. young. You know, it, it, it's just fucking. But uh, the the two new tracks that they've just released sound fucking. So yeah, I saw I, them I play they're it. a great band. They're really poetic. They're um, they look good. They sound yeah. good. Best in the huge. Look, things, the production's yeah. fucking raw. Yeah. Um, I love them, man. If you like them, you'll like the Murder Capital. By the way, you should check them yeah, out. No, I listened to that. I didn't really, so, I like, I, Idols and that as well. And I'm not one for slagging off bands, by the way, because I don't. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're into it, you're into it. And if you're not, is it? But like, I'm, I, I couldn't. I maybe need to give them another few listens. But idols again, yeah. maybe I need to give them a few more listens. But to start, it's just something that I'm not feeling straight away. What was the tune I really loved? Like, I loved the slow tie Murr and Massa deal with Victory. Yeah, yeah. That was like yeah. one of my favourite songs. I love that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, um, if you look, look hard enough, there's good. Well, just, um, you mentioned the Smiths in, a, in the podcast you did. I've got to ask you, if you could give us a top three Smiths right now, off the bat, <laughs> what would it be? Because um, like, I, I mean, it's all massive Smiths fans, nothing exclusive to say you're a Smiths fan, but just... Well, obviously, anyone who's not a Smiths fan's fucking weird, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much, yeah. <laughs> they're not into real music. They're not into, they're not into tunes, are they? No, exactly. Um, even though Morris is a bit of a twat, no one yeah. can deny that the greatest band, the rhythm section, yeah. was insane. Lyric, Ma, obviously, and, and, yeah. and Morris is one of the best, if not the best lyricist ever. Uh, three, I've stalled there to come up with three other. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. What were you wondering? No, 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 no. Off the bat, he has put you on. The, he really has put you under pressure there. I've not seen that coming though. Um, my favourite would be. I'm going to start from the top. Cemetery Gates. Great choice. Yeah. And then I'm going to go personally, frankly, Mr. Shankly, because yeah, lovely song. I it reminded me, and this sound, this was sound like completely musos would be like, what the fuck is he on about, man? You know, like, <laughs> but that that mid that the middle of that track where that like lick comes in, it's not yeah. even the middle, it's just a lick that, and it never happens again. That was to me like rave, you know, where you'd have this fucking like hard fuck, and then suddenly there'd be this bit of sunshine, this this like bit of beauty, and then. It, it would not happen again. You'd be like, fucking, you know, get, get it, it back. back. Yeah. And that was, that was what frankly, Mr. Shankly did to me. Um, that I'm going to go listen to that straight off. Because I wanted to hear that piece again, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say an obvious one, but it's not cool, but there's a light. Yeah, I thought you might say that. Reminds <laughs> me of being in the lockup. And we used to sing, there's a neon light, because we were called Neon Twang. And we used to like, when we was drunk, and I mean, it really, it, like, you know, it makes me feel really emotional. Even, but like we used to sing. There's a neon light, and it will never go out. In in, in the lockup, just the five of us, you know, just fucking dancing around. And so, yeah. and to die by your side, and all, all these things. You know, you know that song means. I mean, it is. That is. If there's indie, if there was an indie fucking top ten songs, that's probably number one. Is yeah. Um, it probably competes with Oasis, right? I don't know. But the, probably yeah. number one, in my opinion, that that track. So. So for that, I'm going to put it in. But there's loads. I think with the Smiths, with the Smiths, inside, I love this. I could, you know, it's the ja- yeah, the the, the jangle, the boy with the thorn inside, the jangle in that song is it's, it's, Mar, it's, Mar is just on another level. Yeah, I'm still ill, still ill. Yeah, makes me think I'm, of Saunders so much. I mean, we we used to our crew around that time, that first album. They used to be like, please stop playing this. Really. <laughs> Stop playing the Smiths in the fucking tour bus at two in the morning. <laughs> Fuck it, just stop because just play some of the bands. But we were so, our, 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 it was just, that was how it was. So yeah. Don't th- you confirming it is enough for us. Um, um, Phil, it's been absolutely fantastic to chat. Thanks so much for coming on. Love really that. Appreciate be, safe. It. be safe, man. Try, 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 try.